Welcome to the Board Game Snobs Podcast. Critically harsh reviews with a touch of class. Is it time? It's time for the Board Game Snobs Podcast. Wow, are we doing this quietly? This is the ASMR episode. This is it. Let's whisper the whole thing. Yay. This is Jerry. This is Enrique. Don't do that. That's weird. Nobody does that. Because I'm describing on that. Nobody knows what ASMR is. Autonomous sensory meridian response. I don't think this is going to come through good. It's going to. Enrique. What? Oh, God. We're going to whisper this entire episode. Enrique's here. Oh, yeah. Hello. Kavi, the primary host. This is Jerry, the person who's not pleased with this. <laughs> and we did not wait, plan wait, this. Wait, 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 there's mouth sounds. Stop that. Nobody, nobody, nobody likes mouth sounds. Who doesn't like mouth sounds? We're not. Oh, God. Are we really going to do this? I do the not. entire, let's say, we could be the first. The only. Podcast that does a full ASMR episode. Okay, so listen. Here's what I think about this. I think people who like ASMR are freaks. How dare you? I love ASMR. I know. It puts I, me to sleep every night. You are a freak. This is really sad. I go to, to sleep. <laughs> what, what, Enrique? I don't know. Just. What did you say? Nothing. He can't whisper very good because he has no lips. Precisely. Have you, noticed, have you noticed how thin his lips are? You look like that. Your lips so thin. You look like that guy off Red Dragon. You remember the guy that Hannibal Lecter pushed into the hog pen, and the pigs were all like, "That one. That's you." I have a question. Go ahead. Why is everyone pro bee anti wasp? Pro bee and anti wasp. Why? Why? Why do bees get all the love? I'll tell you why. Bees. Pollinate. Wasp don't do nothing. What do wasps do? Sting you. Yes, they only. They don't transfer. Maybe they're just angry because bees get all the attention. They don't do anything. They have no purpose. 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 (laughs) Dolphin joke. Listen. So yeah, that's why people are anti-wasp. Who's pro wasp? White, white Anglo-Saxon person. Doesn't wasp mean something like that? No, I don't know. Like a wasp, no, like somebody's a super, like a white person's like a wasp. That's not a thing. It is to a thing. I've never heard it. Look it up. You've never heard of wasp describing a person? Are you discussing racial slurs? <laughs> no, on our it's podcast? wasp. S- does not do this. Oh my God, wasp is a thing. Oh God. Enrique, re- just do your thing. Oh, it brought up the insect. Enrique, oh, what does wasp stand for? White Anglo-Saxon Protestant. What? The acronym WASP derives, of course, from White Anglo-Saxon Protestant, but as acronyms go, this one is more deficient than most. Lots of people, including powerful figures, and some presidents have been white, Anglo-Saxon, and Protestant, but were far from being wasps. You've never heard that. I literally know. This is a new uh, thing. Like when somebody gets referred to as a wasp, they're white Anglo-Saxon. Who has ever referred to anybody as a wasp? Otherwise, it'd be a wasp. You're a white Anglo-Saxon Catholic. No. Nope. You wasp. That doesn't make any sense. Wasp. It's a thing. Well, you've upped your banter slightly there. Oh, I've instilled some knowledge yes, upon you. Yeah, thank you for utilizing racial slurs and updating it's not a, Hey, so sometimes, now sometimes uh, ASMR can go to a, a low voice. So if you think you can do a low voice, you can do it. What do you mean like a low voice? Like that right there. Like, like Matthew. <laughs> Matthew. Hey, Matthew, welcome back. Matthew McConaughey done slips you some Benadryl. <laughs> Sleeps into your bedroom and says... Go ahead. Now that sounds that doesn't sound good. Why would he slip me up in a drill? He, he wants you tired. That way, uh, you're not too. You're not. I think I can accuse him of something he, if he slips me up in a drill. He goes over there and wakes you up on your futon. <laughs> you my futon? Yeah. He says, "Listen here, we're gonna watch Interstellar." 
afterwards we're gonna make us some daiquiris you got stung by that wasp <laughs> and slip you some benadryl <laughs> we're gonna make us some, we're gonna make us some strawberry daiquiris <laughs> what we're, strawberry daiquiris yeah we'll go watch interstellar and afterwards we're gonna go on down to the dairy queen <laughs> get us some cupcakes that's weird there's that old self cupcakes at dairy queen they do, if you ask. <laughs> I guarantee that gum tea, if you're Matthew McConaughey, they'll sell you cupcakes wherever you go. I got a uh, cheeseburger at Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, okay. You get a cheeseburger at Taco Bell. So, let's Bell. talk about, um, since since we're talking really quietly, maybe nobody okay. will find out about okay. what we're about to talk about. <laughs> okay. um, go ahead. So, there has been some controversy. Oh my God! Hey, lower your Not voice. Again. Lower oh, your voice. Sorry. My God! Don't whisper. Gonna wake up. This is your idea. Now you abandon it. <laughs> Heretic. <laughs> Keep it down. I betray my own ideologies. It's okay. David Turksy. Okay. The David Turksy. The D- the DT. DT of. Anachrony. Anachrony. <laughs> so we love David Turks. Love right? him. Okay. Thought, oh, well, I don't know that I do. Well, you're about not. Okay. Well, okay. you're going to like him even more. Oh, okay. So essentially, there is a video game, and it's called Prison Architect. It's a very popular video game. Matter of fact, oh, okay. it happens to be. on Twitter. Go ahead. It happens to be one that I have played. And actually, it's kind of like. Like a tycoon game. It's very interesting. So, anyways, there was a board game version of it that was coming out. And it was on Kickstarter. And it was doing terrible. And apparently it was getting panned by many. Because, one, it's a game about running a prison. Right. And it's very cutesy on the video game. And they kept the same artwork and so forth. Well, David Turksy on May the 26th essentially apologized. And wrote a very long, wrote a very long and seemingly very thought out comment talking about the board game. And essentially he wanted to take his name off of it, not be recognized as the designer. Yes, because he felt like he had messed up. He never, and to some summarizing this very poorly. So if you want to go to board game snobs, I'm sure you can find it. Board game snobs? I'm sorry. That's that's us. That's our fun. You'll find it. Go to board Lower game snobs. your voice. Sorry. Jesus, man. But go to boardgamesnobs.com. You will find nothing. I'm about to, about to slip. <laughs> a defunct website. About to slip you down to Benadryl. You go to board game snobs. All you see is a link and lower your plane 24 hours a day. <laughs> um, anyways. so Basting confused. So. They ended up canceling uh, the Kickstarter, and he he made some points. So so now, of course, there's some people very upset because the game is was canceled, and they feel like they it was canceled by people pressuring him. And then there's other people that are congratulating him. So, anyways, long story short, you can read his response. So I, instead of just talking about his response, I want to bring up something that, as I was reading through this multiple paragraph. Um, comment something that i tuned in on that i thought was rather fascinating so david turksy wrote in terms of just itemizing some of people's expressions he talked about the game and said it was okay when the video game did it like that's kind of the sentiment that there's a video game about this theme so it's okay so why can't there be a board game his response to it was this video games are a different medium for a different community with a very different context. You play games in the privacy of your home, gaining enjoyment from whichever part of the game you want to. As long as nobody's getting hurt, as long as nobody's promoting hateful ideas, it probably falls under the no harm done category. And the community accurately reflects this. Some people look at it as an engineering challenge. Some people are making, frankly, disgusting execution factories and some are using it as a colorful distraction where silly over-the-top characters are doing obviously bad things it's not our place to judge and since a significant part of our creative team themselves are fan of the video game calling the video game out on its thing would be hypocritical on our part but our board game community our board gaming community is about interacting with other people in real life we want a game on our table when we want to look each other in the eyes, we want to go down to the club or to the shop and to put it on our table there too and tell everybody how awesome whatever game we are playing is and that they should join in. 
Essentially, that's the end of his unquote there. Um, essentially, David was making the point that the board gaming community is very different from the video game community. Mm-hmm. So in the video game community, this game caused zero waves because it is it is about running a prison. It can be very macabre. There can be bad things happen, even though it's presented in this very chibi-like characters and very colorful. And What does chibi mean? It's like the guys with the fat heads. It's like Enrique. Fat head. <laughs> fat head. Tone it down a little bit. Oh, sorry. Uh, anyways, so it's it was very colorful, but yet it dealt with a very serious theme. The video game community cared little about any type of outright shortage. The theme. So now when it comes here to the board game community, we see this outcry to where this game by a very hot designer right now. Because David Turks is hot. Like he's Matthew McConaughey hot right, right. now. Got that anachrony. Got you. Yes. on. He's got lost. Anything that uh, the, the anachrony company comes at, Mind Clash Games. Yeah, anything that Turksy's involved in, it tends to do very, very well. So this game was just panned because of it, because of the fact of the theme. And so now it's apparently not going to exist, or, or at least be very difficult to find. I think there are some prototypes or other versions of it out there. Anyways, so that brings up, is the board gaming community that different from the video game community? And if so, is that a good thing or a bad thing? So so let me put it this way. Like, when you go and engage in a certain sport, there tends to be a community that grows up around it. And certain types of people engage in that hobby. And when no matter what type of people they are, when they join it, the community kind of affects them. And like the community is the framework for how you engage in that game or hobby or whatnot. It's kind of like golf. Mm-hmm. Like I used to play golf some and I was just, you know, not any good at it. But when I started playing with serious people, I learned and they were very forceful about the etiquette of playing the game. Mm-hmm. Don't be talking too loud. Don't be making noise. Other people's shots. You fix your divots. You don't drive the cart everywhere. Mm-hmm. Please don't leave. You know, don't be drinking too much while you're out there. This is a serious game. That type of thing. And so the community around it shaped how I felt about the game. And thus I went from it being just this casual thing where I just kind of did what I wanted and, and was really potentially ruining the experience to others to where I understood the etiquette of it. I would say that's the same with most hobbies. It, it seems like the board game community as a whole has grown to this point to where we are shaping others as they come in and saying, look, this theme might be all right in this context, in this medium, such as a game based on running a prison. But in board gaming, it's not. Because the community as a whole does not appreciate it. I wonder if this community will stay this way or if it'll ever change. And there's a rabbit hole that I would like to go down on this that I will I will not. But it's it's just interesting to see the reactions about this game in comparison with like games that like Kingdom Death Monster that had like partial nudity and various other yeah. dark themes. So it's it's just it's just odd. I don't know. Well I think it kinda goes down that what we brought up a couple of episodes ago about the different genres of gaming within gaming. So like is this game a is this prison game, was it like on Steam? Or yeah. was it released like you know on Xbox? No, it's a very popular game. It's on very popular. Because I would say, like, you know, on Xbox, the thing with some gaming, like Modern Warfare, Call of Duty, it's like, oh, you get these 12-year-olds yelling curses at you and your mother. So that's on Fortnite. (laughs) Those are the type of, you know, that's the crowd. It draws a particular crowd that doesn't mind cursing you and your mother and saying atrocious things. That would never be accepted in... Board gaming. You've never played Splendor with me then. <laughs> I will curse you and your mother. <laughs> but there are certain games like you go to Steam. And for me, Steam is more PC related. So it's like you might get some more cerebral type games other than just running around shooting and hollering at people. And board gaming, I think, is more evolved than even that in the fact that 
For in general, yes, there's like a standard that people are held to because of the general, not even not even the general populace, but the perceived amount of people. I don't know what I'm saying. Well, yeah, you're you're rambling, but I think I, I I get what you mean by that. Like I, I think I understand. It's a different type of person. Yes, it, it's more generalized. It's general public, and people are just. It's it's much harder to cancel a video game. Like once it's out there, pe- most people there's not really a forum that people go to to gripe about the theme and so forth. Well, I think in general, when it comes to board the hobby board gaming side, a you're it's an older group, and b they're just in general thought to be like. You get the random eight-year-old that's playing Call of Duty. He's not going to want to play Gaia Project. Right. But that- so it kind of is just like a different level. And then when you go into that, well, then you get into this philosophical thing of, well, if you are if you have this type of, uh, oh, my God. You know, I start talking about what I'm talking about. Just forget it. Well, I know what you're talking about. Like uh, that's, that's what I'm wanting to kind of branch into there for a little bit. So. Let me just direct you down this, this, and you follow me with it. Okay, I will. So I've played Prison Architect on on the PC. How dare you? It is a, and I when I play it, it's a management game. It's like I am trying to build a very safe prison. I don't want any riots. I want everybody to be rehabilitated and out the door. And it's like I'm about, don't let the prisoners escape. Educate them, rehabilitate them, and that's what my score is based on. It's like I'm, I'm trying to keep everything clean and tidy and efficient. It's a engine building game almost. It's a production game. It's it's a it's an area where I'm having to control these random elements and make sure nothing bad happens. And I view the game that way. And so naturally, I, I looked at Prison Architect, the board game, when it came out, and it was like there's some tiles and stuff. There's something about it I didn't particularly like. It wasn't the theme that put me off. It was just more of the I just didn't like it. Can I ask a basic question? Yes. What is it that is so upsetting to the people? Okay, so so for instance, and that's my point, that the comments are being made is that you're utilizing a theme that a basically prison for profit type thing, because that was the theme of, of prison architect. And that smacks of the prison system a lot here in the United States about, you know, the high recidivism in the United States and the, the level of... of uh, population to prisoners and how it tends to target minorities and things of that nature. That's what people were pushing was saying this theme can be rather offensive no matter how you present it because it is about housing, not housing is not even, that's a, that's a really sterilized term, but basically imprisoning people and then trying to manage that for money. Mm. And, you know, you could kind of see how you could easily go down that and say, well, this is kind of like you're taking this horrific theme and you're putting something cute on it. So that was a lot of the problems that people, I think, had with it. I didn't really read that section of it so much because the point was that the, the this Kickstarter wasn't going very well. Like people were voting with their money. And so obviously when they, you know, David come out about it, the company decided, well, we're just not going to mess with it. My point being, I have played the video game. Let's say that the game caught my attention, that board game. And I'm like, oh, this is just an interesting board game version of this video game that I have played. I don't view it this way. And I kickstarted it, got it, and it was produced. And I bring it over here and I say, Gabby, let's play this game based on this theme. Do you think you would have had any problem playing a game with this theme? Me, personally, no, because I don't think that deeply. Right. So... Now, like when I see people's comments regarding the theme, I'm like, yeah, I kind of get your point. Like, I see what you mean by that, by a game that is being produced that could be easily offensive to some. But at the same time, I see what David was saying was like, you know, you play a video game, you're playing in your home. Like, whatever Uh you're playing, you're doing your thing. Like, it's not affecting other people. And the few people that you do, in, in whether you do multiplayer or whatnot, you're playing that with people who want to play this game. I think the same can be said for, for board games. If I buy a game, in, in no way would I ever buy a game that I thought, man, this is kind of rough. I know Gobby might find this offensive, but I'm going to buy it and see if he wants to play it. Like, it's not, like they're, they're 
just, that would not happen. And there are games like that for out there for us that we know the theme, the artwork, whatever it might be, the setting that we don't like or what we just would not play. Mm-hmm. And we just don't buy those games. It's like we, we kind of know where our line is. And so I think it's just interesting how the community can kind of set the framework and it be something I don't want to say that it's not it's not that it's so much one-sided, but it's interesting that how some themes can be looked upon and they're not problematic, but then others are. And really what that boils down to is to the community that you're selling that board game to. So for instance, David Turksey, Prison Architect, the game. This is like a mainstream board game that would have been something out there where the most of the board gaming community would have seen. And the vast majority of the board gaming community would have looked at this game and had a problem with it, I think. I think they would have gone, yeah, this is the theme of it. This is not, this is kind of like in, not right. If the game, though, had been pitched more towards like, uh, and I'm not I'm not saying this derogatory, but if this theme was a little more serious, it wasn't so cartoony. It was like, this is a dark theme. Like, this is a dark game. And like, uh, what's the, this war of mine? This war of mine. And it'd be like, all right, we know, and it, it'd be straightforward. Like, we know this game is, a, is, is dark. We know it deals with a heavy subject. This is the purpose of the game. But it's also meant that as you're playing it, for you to reflect on this dark subject. What exactly is going on? What's taking place? And what that means. Right. And so, like, this war is mine's an excellent example. Like, I have that game on Steam as well. It was one of my favorite games because it's a game about being refugees or being civilians during a war. And you're not fighting. You're just trying to stay alive. And that is a dark, dark theme. Mm-hmm. And even the board game was very, very dark. And the what the thing about that game when it came out on steam the company that was doing it they had a lot of downloadable content and things where they were donating money to the war orphan foundation like they were funneling a lot of their profits of that video game to help people that had been affected by various wars and so the the whole theme of the game was like yes you might want to engage in this you might not have a problem playing this game but reflect upon it Mm-hmm. And I think that Prison Architect, if it had been done differently, uh, if it had been done differently and pitched towards a different section of the board gaming community of like, yeah, we know this is a dark thing and it's going to be problemsome, but reflect upon it, play it right. and take it, take so it seriously. They took a, they took a serious theme and made it cartoonish or as opposed to just taking a serious theme and making it serious which still is like there's still I, I would never play this war of mine like that's just not something i'm interested in right. would i be offended no i don't it's not something i'm offended at but uh like this war of mine you're literally making a board game you're making a game out of people surviving war like situations that's going on now it's modern it's going on now it's yeah. modern and, and that can be very dark but uh yeah it's all uh, to me it's like you said it's it's all on presentation how you present it and i think you're 100 percent correct if they present this like this is what's going on it's making a social statement on the present situation of prisons and how they can be unjust and how they're ran or whatever and with some context and donations and all that stuff, it would be a different story. But if they're taking the prison system as it is now, it could be completely unjust. People completely imprisoned on prejudice and all this stuff. You'd have to address that somehow. You can't make that cartoonish. And now I understand. Yeah. And so that's I think that was that was the point that I was seeing made a lot. And it's. My, my to end this segment because this is getting, please do I'm very depressed getting rather boring uh, good on David Turksey for making a decision like it would not have bothered me either way but it was nice to see somebody to go and look at something and, and say alright this is offending people and I'm going to take this step and do this thing that's probably not going to be not going to be popular because it's going to look like I'm I'm stopping a game that's just you know 
people are people are pressuring me to to come out and and not design or not publish this game. So good on for him for that. But at the same time, I think it really does. He made that point about the community and how you play games and observe games. And like I said, there are games out there that I'm not going to play that I don't particularly like. And if you enjoy those types of games, that's perfectly fine. But at the same time, I'm not, I am not particularly offended by, or I, I think that's just my point is that there are some themes that I think when they're addressed appropriately, they're fine to delve into. But at the same time, they're just they're, they have to be done in a certain way with a certain meaning behind it, and uh, yeah. Either ways, I, I'm, I've come to the conclusion of that, and I'm I'm done with it. But anyways, it, it was an interesting interesting thing that popped off on uh, on the board game group. I saw that. Yeah, I'm all about that drama. You know what else is interesting? What? Birds need gravity to swallow. Yes, that's why you see them with their mouth upturned throats like this do hummingbirds have feet do humming yes have you ever seen a hummingbird just sitting yeah i'm the little hummingbird feeder i never see them i've recently won a hummingbird feeder i won a hummingbird feeder in a cornhole contest it's a long story wait was your team name cornholio nope we were holistic medicine When was this? So I went to a conference here. Uh, you're talking really loud. Oh, sorry. Went to a conference here recently at work, mm, and they wanted to do some sort of goofy... Wait, wait, wait. Conference. Conference. Stop that. Conference. Stop that. I'm not doing this AMSR stuff. Anyway, so we went to a... They made us do this weird team building well, exercise. Loud. This weird team building exercise. They decided we were going to play cornhole. Team exercise 99. Not tonight. I did not like cornhole. I don't. I think it's a dumb game. You told Lindsay you love cornhole. I know, but I was lying. What are you doing? Because I'm anti cornhole now. I like cornhole. I'm anti cornhole, and here's why. So I, I went loving cornhole, and then I realized that this is just. You realize you suck at it. No, no. I come in second place. I want a. I want a hummingbird feeder. Oh, I want, want a nice oh, glass. Oh, it's glass. No, no. It's hand blown glass. This is a. Fancy. How does your hand blow glass? Hands can't blow. They can. This did. And I'll tell you what else blows. Cornhole. Um, it's just a it's just a very I don't know. It's one of those games that is the more you play it, the more you realize this is this is just a ch- oh, it's just like horseshoes. Do you enjoy horseshoes? No. I enjoy those. You're games. just throwing stuff, but you are. But you can get better. It's like bowling. Well, bowling, there's some physics behind it, and I do appreciate that there are. Have some you ever physics. watched a cornhole competition with I, professionals? The rascals literally. Sorry, I'm raising my voice. You made me angry. Those guys in the cornhole competitions, they can land every one of those bags in the cornhole. So here's right, the deal. Right in the hole. Before the tournament, before our little tournament began, I was given a print off, and on the top of this print off was the rules of cornhole. Of how the cornhole things need to be uh, twenty-seven feet. I know how cornhole. It goes. was from the ACO, the American Cornhole Organization, which is apparently an organization. Echo. I did not realize that was a thing. I, I'm. I am. Bes- competitions. I, I am, told you that. I am. Bes- so here's my thing. I am beseeching all of our uh, listeners outside the U.S. to let us know. Do you know what cornhole is, and do you have a similar game? This led me down a rabbit hole of watching a documentary or cornhole. On uh, cricket. Crickets. Crickets. Which is interesting that we're talking this long. It's, like, talking about it's like baseball. No, it's not like baseball. But it's kind of it's what baseball's based upon. No, it's not. If there's a ball and a bat. No. I think I want, oh, I desperately want know, to play cricket. You. I desperately want to play cricket. You ain't going to play it around here. I know. Nobody, so nobody around here I cricket. want to go play cricket with somebody. Please email me at boardgamesknobs at gmail.com. Next time I'm overseas, I want to engage in cricket. Anyways, uh, I want to talk about a game that we played here recently. It's very subtle and colorful by Mr. P- Peter Petool. Peter O'Toole is the, the is the is the is the, is the Peter O'Toole uh, artist Ian Lawrence of Arabia. Ian O'Toole. I always do that. I'm sorry. I I tool. I wonder if he's related to Lawrence. I don't know. 
and Mr. Is that Fabio Lapano? Fabio famous. Yes. Now he did. We're talking about Merv. Now Fabio did uh, that Camellia game. Yeah. Uh, that a listener told us to, we should play, and I have not got a chance to hunt it down. Kalima. He also did Ragusa, mm-hmm. which we enjoy, and he's got two more games coming out in two thousand and one. Really, he yeah. did Ragusa. Yeah, he did. Now, when you state things, they're often wrong. Often wrong. Just like he said, Bruno did Seven Wonders. He did Ragusa. That was Antoine Busa. He did Ragusa. Antoine Busa. Antoine Bowser. (laughs) Bowser, I played him in Mario. He was was hiding the princess. (laughs) I threw fireballs at him. (laughs) Sorry. Poor Faduti got fireballs (laughs) thrown at him. On Twitter. R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, Merv is a game Merv. about the area of Merv, this trading little town where you trade things and apparently get attacked by raiders and so forth. Mongols. What? Mong- they Mongols? Mongolians? Mongols? Mongols. Oh, sorry. Say it again. And I have our resident, Mong- Reg- resident Mongolian answer for us. Are you from Mongolia? Uh, probably not. Who's your favorite Mongolian? Would it be pretty generic if I said Genghis Khan? Oh, you said it correctly, Genghis Khan. Instead of Genghis. Did you know there's a Mongol the Mongolian spot? You ever heard of that? Yeah. Mongolian spot. Slate gray nevis is a benign, flat, congenital birthmark with wavy borders in an irregular shape. You don't want that. It's on someone's butt cheeks in Wikipedia. Mm. It's a Mongolian spot. You know how bad that would be to have your butt cheeks on Wikipedia? My butt cheeks on Wikipedia. <laughs> you know what I'd be doing every time? I'd be showing, look, these are, my, flexing. These are my butt cheeks. <laughs> like Van Damme. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, looking. <laughs> these are my butt cheeks. You, you could bounce a quarter off those. Like, Van Damme. It normally disappears three to five years after birth and almost always by puberty. Hey, Claude. Claude, you don't come over. You don't come it's over. called congenital dermal melanocytosis. You ever heard of that? We can watch Lincoln Lawyer together. Take some Benadryl. Drink some wine. It's uh it's one existing from birth involving the skin. The blue it's a blue. It's a blue the blue color is caused by melanocytosis. Melanin. Okay, so it's the color of your skin. You ever watch mud? That's a good oh, I, show. Love I love mud. mud. I love mud. Come watch mud with me. Although the, the the boy actor from that's also the one that did Ready Player One. He was he? Yeah. He I've not the, seen Ready Player One. Uh, you probably would enjoy it. You would enjoy it. There is a lot of colorful things that take place in Ready Player One, and it kind of what little I've seen of it's it. Like, I mean, it's, it's done by Steven Spielberg, and they just throw a he throws a bunch of refer- is it me? He throws a bunch of references at you. Or is Steven? I can't believe we're still we're still whispering. Is Steven somewhat. slipping? He's slipping. He's falling. He can't get up. I'm not sure that he's the great director he once was. Uh, he come out with a bridge between two waters. What was the bridge? The bridge movie? Bridge of Spies. Bridge of Spies. That was like, got Oscar nominated. That don't mean nothing. You seen what sure. the Oscar's been doing? Nobody's, Oscar, it was Oscar Isaac nominated. Nobody. <laughs> if I was Oscar Isaac, that's exactly what I would do. This has been nominated by me. <laughs> It's been nominated for an Oscar, and it'd just be my picture. And then I would have a portrait, self portrait. I would have Oscar from The Office, and then other famous Oscars. The Grouch. Yeah, 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 The Grouch, Oscar, and just have other Oscars, and we'd just be sitting around. De La Hoya. De La Hoya. He's sitting over there. This is Oscar nominated. And have De La Hoya could rate all the action films. We all agree. We all agree. Yeah. That, that, that's a great. We should do that. <laughs> that's Oscar. No. Oscar. That's good stuff. If only we had a friend named Oscar, <laughs> we could pull this off. Enrique, you may have to change your name. Enrique, change your name. Very well. What is your middle name? Ramos. Ramos. Wait, what? Ramos. Ramos. Spell it. Ramos. O M A S. R O O. Ramos. No. R O M A S. Ramos. Wait. M A S. Ramos. You said Ramos. <laughs> you don't know your own middle name? He just shrugged. He shrugged. He's, he's like, whatever. I'm pretty sure I, I 
stop. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't. I don't use it. I he don't, doesn't know. I don't. I don't know. Enrique, you don't know your middle name. I just know how to say it. That's all. It is. Okay, well then say it. Ramos. It's Ramos. <laughs> Enrique Romas. No, your name is Enrique Oscar Romas. <laughs> Enrique Romas. Romas. Zamora. Zamora. Okay. My name is Enrique Romas. You know, Zamora. I like the fact that his name is Zamora because that's like not a like I've never heard Zamora anywhere else other than your family. Yes. Like Moraga, <laughs> like Moraga. Like you would think Moraga is a. <laughs> But I think Maracas. There's a Maraga, California. My name is Enrique Ramos. Uh, uh, what was it? What's real name? Ramos Zamora. My name is Enrique Ramos Zamora. My name is. I work with my father. Prepare to drive. <laughs> <laughs> I work with my father. Prepare to drive. I have no. because I have no license. <laughs> Sorry, oh, <laughs> I broke it. I broke it. Are you break. Wait, wait. Gotta go back. Go back. Tone it down. Gotta film this whole thing. So, so film. So Merv. Gotta film this whole that thing. was the worst accent I could ever. I can't do the low and the high. So Merv. Merv is my one of the. What's pre, up, Merv? One of the premier board game companies. OG, Osprey Games. Uh, Original we, gangster. We love OG games. OG. I was sweating this one because every OG game we tend to play. We, I don't like the fact that it doesn't open up like a book. This is a big box game. Why couldn't they make this open up like a book? Well, then. Stick with that. I do. I know. Osprey. Stick with it. What is an Osprey? It's a bird. It's a bird. And it needs gravity to swallow. Did you know that? <laughs> um, and it has feet. So, Merv. Kind of worried me a little bit because when I read the rule book and looked at it, it was very um, a lot. It's dry, and there's like this pseudo rondel thing that you're doing. So just give me a moment. Let me describe what you're going to do. Okay. You take your little meeple dude, and you're just basically going in this clockwise fashion around this square, and. In the middle of this square are these various tiles, and on those tiles they have little actions that you can do. And so essentially, you put your guy here, and you look down the row that you're on or column, and you pick one of those actions, and then you put a little house there, saying, "This is my house. This is my little square." And then you go to the next you squatter. Side. Yeah, basically you squat there. It's mine now. And then you, as you're going around the board, you're doing columns and rows and putting your little house out there. And sometimes those columns and rows will intersect, and you'll columns have. And rows. You'll have multiple houses there, and so you can activate all your houses and get resources off of them, these little cubes. And that's essentially the main mechanic of the game. It's this little rondelle. Now, you utilize those cubes that you get as resources to buy spices, to travel, and to connect various roads, and to move up on influence tracks. It's basically a bunch of tracks that you're moving up on, a bunch of scoring multipliers, a bunch of set collection, and that's about it. Then... The game does this weird little thing that I, I was griping about it afterwards, after we played it. Because Gabi, the first game when we played it, I said, look, I wish the game would have told me how all these little spots on the board interconnect. For instance, I have to collect these resources and utilize them to move up on this track, which then will let me buy more spice, which will then let me, of course, get multiple different types of spices and get this big in-game scoring. Or you need to use these resources to go over here and build this little little connection here where you can now purchase these commodities and you use these commodities to fulfill these contracts. So it's like a three-step program. You need to go here, here, and here to get done what you need to do. And also this score multiplier, don't forget about it because at the end of the game, if you don't have your multipliers out there, you're not going to do very good. This is a highly complicated game. This is a medium to heavyweight game. This is a this is a up there game. This is not a mm-hmm. this is not a medium weight game because I of the agree. way it all connects. It, the components are nice. The artwork is fabulous. Uh, it supposedly has a solo. It looks atrocious. Uh, we've, I've discussed the solo before. Okay. Gobby's done tried it. I'm not even going to try it. That's how atrocious it looks. There's a two-player mode. It has one of those modes that I absolutely despise where two players have to change things it requires up. requires a bot type thing. Yeah, you have to do this little other thing to make it. So basically, this is a three- or four-player game. As much as I want to dislike this game. You're kind of raising your voice, just saying. As much as I want to dislike this game. 
You didn't. I didn't. I wanted to very much gripe about how the various aspects, the one mechanic, which is just move your meeple and then do these actions, and then these actions have all these steps. And it's you have three rounds consisting of four turns per, per round. Right. That's the first thing I was going to point out about how much I like the fact that I know how many moves I'm going to make. You have 12 moves. You're going to make 12 moves in this game. And during those 12 moves, you're going to do very few actions. Those actions are very simple. You're either going to go up on this one track that's going to give you some multipliers. You're going to go up on this other track that's going to allow you to gain bonuses. You're going to go over here and build a route, which will give you commodities. You're going to go over here and get scrolls, which will help you fill contracts. Or you're going to go over here and collect various types of spices. And a lot of this is influenced through a little influence track that you also have to move up on that will unlock other little areas of the board to help you move up on. Uh, so all these little spots around the board are so intricately tied in, but it doesn't seem that way at first. It's only after you've really got the game going and you realize, oh, that makes sense. So while you're juggling this, the game then asks you to go, okay, now as you're moving your little meeple around and doing this Ron Dale type thing. That's my boy. And this area can not control, but actually it's kind of like area influence. You can also... You need to build walls around this city because that's what that square represents. Because at the end of the round, most of the rounds, you get invaded. And if you don't have a wall to protect your guys, they end up getting killed off. And the game also didn't bait you by saying... your buildings get destroyed. Your buildings get destroyed. And your buildings are victory points out there. And their buildings also give you resources. So you don't want that to happen. So here's the deal. You need to build a wall. But to build a wall, you got to go here. But guess what? If you build a wall and you put it and protect other plate players pieces you get double the influence oh guess what well if you don't want to build a wall then you can use your guys as guards and hire them and put them out there to protect one specific building that you want and we'll give you influence if you guard someone else's building oh by the way when you get invaded if you have enough resources don't worry about a wall don't worry about guards you can use these resources as ransoms to protect your buildings that's brett ransom that's a lot for just one little section of the board and, and it, it well, it does the Lacerda thing of your your primary action is you place your meeple, right? And you choose your action, but within that, you have so it just like branches off into all these other things you can do. Yeah, and that's what really got me about this is that it was there's just one decision. That's what happened, just it. Pick this and your meeple on the row because you can't, you, 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 in the square, you, you start at the top and you can just pick one of the top areas or then the right, the bottom, and the left. So you only have like five or six spaces to choose from. So the mm-hmm. game just asks you, pick a space, then look down that row or column, and then pick what action you want to do. And then there's just not that many, not, not that many actions. But from that one mechanic, that one move, you have so much you have to think about because do you want to put your building on this action space? Can you protect it? Will you be able to hold it? Will this action, do you have what you need to be able to get this done? Later when you get around the board, when you set it on a column or row and you've got multiple buildings there, you can utilize all those buildings. You can utilize other players' buildings, but they get a bonus. There is so much to think about in this stupid one little move. And don't even tie in that you, there are literally multiple ways to win this game. Mm-hmm. So And I'm, we all three chose different paths, which I found very interesting. And we all realized that that last turn, if I had done one thing, I would have won. If Gobby had done one thing, I would have won. If Ricky's like, well, if I'd done this, I'd have drummed. There's, it was so close. The entire game, we tailed each other, and then it blew up at the last when we saw our multipliers. But like, I, I went into spices. I thought this is a sex, sex, sex game. Sex game. Uh, I'm deep that's, into, hey, that's a different podcast. I'm deep into those sex spices. Cinnamon, lavender. Amber. Amber. Ginger. Wow, these spices all sound like people who work down at the... Anyways. The Bunny um, Ranch. So I was collecting spices and thinking, oh, this is set collection. There's a multiplier for having well, that is true. all these other ones. So I'm just doing that. And then Enrique's like, no spices. He's anti-spice. <laughs> well, why do you hate spice? He got none of the Spice Girls. Instead, he was fulfilling contracts. He's and, not, I don't care about posh. And was collecting all the knowledge. Sporty. 
he was collecting all the knowledge tiles, which then gives him these special bonuses that he can do. And so he's running up the track for doing that. And Gabi just decides, I guess here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build walls and protect the city. And then I'm going to run up this mosque track, which is just going to give me these multipliers for these various things. We each did three separate things. And we were all super close. We were all within one or two moves for victory. And that just really clinched it for me as like this game is obviously not like Van Damme's butt cheeks. It clinched it. This was like a game. It's not one of those games that where there's mechanics are just thrown out there and here play with this. This ain't no pet boys. This is a well defined, tight, very dry Euro. And although this is not a top 10 game for me, it's not something that just blew me away. This is an excellent game. Like I, I went from being worried about it to thinking like, wait a minute, this game, this, this game has a lot going on. It's a lot smarter than what it appears to be. And so I was trying to compare this. So for instance, I hated on Gugong. So if you're one of those you know, listeners that have emailed me hate mail and said, oh, I love Gugong, please give Merv a try. If you're the type that you enjoy those uh, Vitola Lacerda games mm-hmm. that are slightly on the heavier side, mm-hmm. Merv, I described it as a light Lacerda. Give Merv a try if you've got three to four players. If you like that very, well, it's a to me, it's exactly like like it reminded me of the Gallerist. The Gallerist, you put your dude in one of four spaces. Like that's that's the Gallerist. You put your dude in one of four spaces. But from those spaces, you have like so many freaking things to do. And this one, you put your dude in one spot. From that spot, you choose five other spots. From those spots, if you choose a particular building where you can either run up the favor, protect the building, or do the action of the building. Plus, you also get the the cube of that building. And it's just, the more in retrospect in the last 30 minutes or 45 minutes since we played it. I'm, I'm really enjoying this game. I, I will tell you, I'll be honest. If we, please, please be, if honest. we stop this podcast right now and we played it again, set it back up, I'd be completely fine with it. <laughs> uh, this game remind me a lot of what few plays I've had of Trajan, the Stefan Feld game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw that in there too. If you are a Stefan Feld game and you like these kind of crunchy games, this is a good game. I have, I I'm, I very much want to play Merv several more times and really get a feel for it because I think this is a game that is going to grow on me. Like I, I see this as being a potential. Now I'm not blown away by it. It's not a top 10 game for me, but it's one of those to where this, this, what Zulkin didn't do for me, mm-hmm. like Zulkin, I understand how I've talked about how it, it, it functioned. How I can see why people like it. It didn't work for me. Merv does that. It's hard enough that I have. There is some serious AP going on. Like nobody talked during this game. We were all worried about should I go spin camels so I can be first to go. I mean, player order makes a big difference in this game. I mean, there was a lot going on. We were all engrossed in trying to figure out what moves we were going to make. And this was a a prime example of one of these very cerebral games. It's very dry, themeless, but yet the artwork is very invocative and very colorful. And it just kind of drags you yeah, in slowly. I mean, you definitely don't feel like a traitor in Merv. wherever this is at. Merv. 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 And like I'm not I'm not getting the theme at all. Like zero. But it doesn't But it's just the interconnection of the mechanisms that make it very interesting. And of course the art, even though there is no theme, the art is very, very nice. This this feels like if this game had been all beige and tan and been made 10 years ago, you could have told me this was a Stefan Feld game. And I would have believed you. Yeah. Like this is, this is one of those, this is a prime example of a classic Euro. In my opinion, the themes not there, but the mechanics are all so tight and so interwoven. Uh, but I, I don't think this would have been a classic game in the sense that I think games continually progress and build upon the mechanisms that have been put in play. Like, I feel like this is a, I feel this is a modern game because of the way it presents all the different mechanisms interlocking together in a very nice way. Yeah. And, and I don't want to, I, I took that to mean that you say that older games don't lock in mechanisms well, but I, I get what you mean. This, this, 
like some of the older, well, like I'll take Trajan, for example. It's like you can do this thing or you can do this thing or you can do this thing. These are the routes that you can go and they're not connected. You know, you can do this thing and get these points or you can go over here and do this thing and get points. But those different areas of the board are not necessarily all interwoven. Where in Merv, everything is interwoven. Everything you do in this game, if you want to run up on this influence track, you can do that just to get victory points. Or you can do that so you can buy more spices. Or you can do that so you can complete bigger contracts. So we're all running up on it. But Enrique's just doing it to get contracts. I'm just doing it to get spice. And Gabi's just doing it for the victory points. It was very interesting. We are all doing on the same track, completely doing different things. I'm after the spice for the victory points. Gabi's after it because they give you certain bonuses and actions that you can do. Enrique's after contracts because he's gathering all these knowledge tiles that he can use. And that's where he's getting his victory points. I'm just going after the uh, contracts so that I can do the bonuses on them. And so it was interesting that we all had different motivations for doing different things on this board. And each one of them was like, whatever you want to do, it was there to help you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you could be fighting for the same spot for a different reason. Just fascinating. And an excellent excellent presentation by Mr. Ian O'Toole. And uh, if you like Ragusa, this to, to me, to rate uh, Fabio's other game, Ragusa, to me, this blows Ragusa out of the water. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Ragusa, but yeah, I like this, yeah, this much better. The, it, uh, the games that I've looked, I'm wanting to play that other game of his, that Camellia, whatever it's called. I can't remember the name of it. I don't know what you're talking about. It's, it, a listener had sent in that it was one of these older games. You've seen it. It's very tan and it's got pretty artwork. I want to play it. But but so far, out of this, the two games of his I've experienced, this Merv, um, he's getting there. He's becoming one of those designers that I am certainly watching now. And so I would like to play his older game. And then he's got two more coming out this year, I believe. Something about uh, mushrooms or something. Mailing mushrooms. He's got some weird game that's coming out. Yeah, it's got a Mailing weird. Mailing mushrooms. Yeah, something weird. But uh, yeah, uh, it's good. Enrique, rate mirror. Kalamala. What, rate it? Kalamala is his older game that I'd like to play. Go ahead and rate it. Scale of 1 to 10. Seven. Just shut up. Gabby, what do you think about it? <clears throat> if if I write a game, one of my top tens or tens. This is one of those games, even since we played it, the more I think about it, the more I'm impressed. I know. I give it an eight. I'm a seven, easily, and I, it will potentially go up. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm very... Very much enjoyed enjoyed this game. It this is the us ranking games is kind of a new things here. I don't know. We're getting in. So this, well, we did this AMSR stuff. Yeah. Now is this? But anyways, uh, OG Merv, uh, OG if you Merv. if you are a diehard uh, Euro fan, please check it out. If we, any of the other games that we mentioned, check it out. It's good. It's approved. I very much like Merv. OG keeps its streak. You've kind of raised your voice some of this. That's going to do it. That's, that's going to do it for this episode. This is a nice episode. We will never do this again. Never. Because it's very difficult to maintain this a low voice. This is stupid. Yes. Whose idea? It this is, was nobody's so idea. He just started doing it. Y'all yeah. kept it up. Enrique, shut us off. Just do it. Can't cancel it. With a, with a whispery voice. This is Enrique Ramosamora. <laughs> How do you spell your middle name? Who knows? It's a mystery. This is Jerry. This is coming. Say goodbye, Enrique. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Board Game Snobs. Stay classy.